Just about to, about to say it. <laughs> Hello, guys. This is it's the Odd Drunks here. Odd Drunk Podcast. <laughs> Name change. Well, it's been the same for you, but we started out as that's odd, but we're drunk. Yeah. But that was too much. So it's the Odd Drunk Podcast, and this is episode three. Can't you believe it? We're finally here after. Two episodes, After two long, two grueling episodes. Whole episodes. <laughs> this is like, you know how TV shows celebrate when they get to their 100th episode. That's what this day is like for us. That's Yeah, that's how I'm treating it. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get nice and drunk. But I will say, so this <laughs> episode, really. um, we are going to try our very best to keep it PG-13 at max. Yeah, yeah. Try to keep it clean. Try to keep the, the 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 cursing down. Because this episode, we are talking about some of the most wholesome guys to ever exist to walk the face of the Yeah, earth. and we don't we don't wanna we don't wanna be uh, not wholesome. Yeah. I mean we're not wholesome. I'll even disclaimer <laughs> right there. But we wanna try to be a this little episode, bit more wholesome. This episode we're gonna we're going to talk to you real nice like this today. <laughs> I just almost spit out my beer. <laughs> um, no, but today we are talking about a, a few different icons. I would say they're icons. I think they are icons. Um, yeah. So we're going to be talking about Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers. And it's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. So not the neighborhood. Yeah, well, let's 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 <laughs> let's introduce the other people we're gonna talk about, and then I'll and then I'll go into that real quick. Okay, and then we're gonna be talking about Bob Ro- Bob Ross and his just wonderful peacefulness and his paintings, and just how great he was. And we're also gonna be talking a bit about um, Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin, yeah. We're not gonna talk as much about him. We didn't do as much research on him. Well, we didn't do much research anyways. But. Yeah, anyway, but we did the least research on Steve Irwin, <laughs> as in the amount of research we did is we looked up his Wikipedia page, and I looked up the cast of the Crocodile Hunter movie. <laughs> Great movie, by the way. Yeah. I loved that when I was a and kid. And Steve Irwin was an amazing guy. Um, he taught us how to love to love animals and animals to and nature, nature and, and just conservation conservation and, and like that. that's something we really need now we're kind of losing yeah. that you know but um and we might throw we might throw a couple more guys in there um can, can like, i um, can i say because we're talking about we, we just mentioned steve Irwin and his conservation efforts and stuff that how cool it is that his son and his daughter are like continuing what he was doing yeah and his son it's just so cool is his son bob Irwin or um I don't um I know it's okay but um yeah or, his son Robert yeah, Irwin. Robert Clarence Irwin. Yeah. He's been on he's basically becoming his father again like, Yeah, he's continuing continuing the good work. And he's been on he's been on talk shows and stuff um like on Jimmy Fallon and I think that's awesome. Mhm. Yeah, um, I've seen that. Yeah. But yeah, we're going to be talking about those guys today. 
Um, before we really jump into it, I just want to say I am still drinking Plantation Rum, the pineapple rum. Someday they're going to sponsor us. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to drink enough of this for one day. <laughs> Plantation Plantation for, Rum free company, if you're listening, you know, sponsor us, send us some um, bottles. What are you drinking today? I am drinking um, – well, I last – we were going to record this earlier and I had a nice beer picked out, but I drank it all. <laughs> so right now I have a less nice beer, but one I still enjoy. I'm drinking Foster's. Nice. And it's a cheap beer. It's really not that much better than like PBR, but for a cheap beer, it's one of my favorites. Um, and I think it's a it's a kind of appropriate because Steve Irwin was Australian and Foster's isn't Australian the one like at all, but they advertise it as being Australian. And I think Steve Irwin, maybe, probably not, but maybe would have approved of it. Founded in Australia through mm-hmm. the USA. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> Steve Irwin, if you're looking down on us from above, um, I don't mean to offend you by drinking Foster's. <laughs> I don't even know if he drank very much. I don't think he did. I have no idea. I don't idea. think any of these guys did, mm-hmm. really. Um, yeah. Maybe Mr. Rogers had some wine here and there. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe Steve Irwin had the occasional cold cold beer. But, yeah, I could see um, him having a cold beer. Yeah, I, 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 I know nothing about his habits in his personal life. I didn't, yeah. I didn't look that up. Um, it's not really my business. Yeah, it's nobody's business. Yeah. Stay away from the man. No, <laughs> leave him alone. <laughs> well, um, I'm for my beer, because I'm not just going to be drinking liquor tonight, <laughs> although I could... <laughs> um, I'm drinking Avalanche Amber Ale by Breckenridge Brewery, and for one, it's just amazing. It is I a mean, very good beer, yeah. It's it's just a good beer. It's not. It's got just a little slight hoppiness, but um, nice caramel malt body. But um, the reason I picked it, besides I just like it, the artwork on it has these mountains and all these pine trees and stuff and while it doesn't look like bob ross art it reminded me of bob ross art i can and definitely just the see kinds that. of things he paints yeah he he painted a lot of like those... if you squint your eyes it, it could be an oil painting maybe yeah if, you know if you put it on like an oil painting instagram filter or something mm-hmm. one of those things i can definitely see it bob ross did a lot of those um lands his, it was mostly landscapes and um you know, trees and mountains, and, you know, um, I remember I, I read something about uh, there's only a very small percentage of his paintings that show any signs of humans. Yeah, only very few. Yeah. Um, and even then, when it does, it's like an abandoned cabin type of thing in the wilderness. There is one, which I don't want to immediately jump to Bob Ross, but since we're talking about it, he did this... Um, it was some kind of charity event um, in Central Park in New York City, and um, he did paintings for people and stuff, and like gave out free merch. He gave out paintings even. Wow. And um, he was in Central Park, and he was inspired by that. So the following episode he recorded, um, he painted, and this is really threw me off before he started explaining why he was painting this because he just started painting it first. Mm-hmm. It was like. Uh, you know, we're gonna have some straight, tall pillars here, and like, we're, and I was like, what? That doesn't 
seem normal, but he was painting buildings, skyscrapers, and then he started painting trees, and then he explained that for this one, he's going to be painting this Central Park scene. And it was mostly nature, but you could see, like, the buildings in the background. And it was pretty cool, but that was one of the only ones I saw with any modern architecture. Usually, if there's any kind of building or, like, human involvement in this painting, it's just, like, a little log cabin. Yeah, a little little log cabin. So I thought that was know. odd, but it it was cool. Um, yeah, I most I prefer his paintings where it's just like a big mountain and there's like a river, like it's a big valley, like that's yeah. my favorite stuff he does. There's one painting in like particular that I really like, and it is a specific painting. Although he did a lot of paintings that were very very similar. Mm-hmm. There's this one of a, a a mountain range and a big lake in front of him you can kind of see the reflections of the mountains and the trees in the lake it was very nice um yeah i'm gonna have some of his paintings pulled up unfortunately and most of you should know this anyways we can't post bob ross paintings on our instagram or anything yeah what i can do i can send you links to the site so you can go check out all the paintings check out the show it's on I think it's on like Access TV right now. I've been watching it for free on just like for a while. Television. It was on Netflix as well. It was. I. It may or may not still be on Netflix. I haven't checked that in a while. Um, but but yeah, we'll put all the links to everything so you can check everything out. But yeah, we can't post the pictures. It's all copyrighted. We would have to. <laughs> <laughs> we would have to get the Bob Ross estate to allow us. Yeah. To use, and I really doubt they would allow us to do that <laughs> hey, here, here's an example of one of the you know, his log cabin isn't that nice well what i really love is that so i guess we're just talking about bob ross right now yeah Why we're not? just going let's straight just, into it let's you know? just get into we were it. gonna do miss rogers um, first but we're on bob ross now because bob ross is just such an awesome just so is yeah fun to talk about and we get to look at something here um what i love about his paintings and how he did his paintings. So for each episode, he would paint three paintings of the same, the same painting, three of the same paintings. One, the first one would be one he does before the show that he can look at for reference so he can replicate it, you know? Yeah. So he can keep the flow moving and keep the the flow moving and you know, know what he needs to do. And then the, the second one obviously is the one he's doing on screen. And what's really cool about that one, um, he's doing it pretty quickly, but not too fast where you can't follow with him. Yeah. And, you know, he explains what he's doing. He explains what types of paint and, like, different mixes he's using. And, like, sometimes he'll get his, like, little knife out to, mm-hmm. like, edge stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and that's a side note with you because he painted the painting before. At the beginning of each episode, he will tell you what – paints what colors he's going to be using and that's how he knows yeah because he's already painted it and he was one of the best examples and for a long time it was not thought of as a classical art or you know what i mean like academic art yeah to do wet fast wet oil paint wet on wet it's called on wet it's called wet on wet yeah um and it's it's a style that's been around for a while. Um, I should look this up real quick. Um, but I've always been told that it's the wrong thing to do. Well, it's it's a different style. Yeah. It's um, 
So it's not it's not a common style. Typically, when doing oil painting, you would let it dry. You don't have to let it dry that that long. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are situations where in doing non wet on wet, where you know you don't have to wait for it to dry because you're going to a different part of the painting. Um, but it's not the most common style, or at least yeah. wasn't before Bob Ross. There was another show that happened before Bob Ross. I it, think it was um, it was called the Joy of Oil Painting. I think okay, and it was Bill Alexander. Okay, and he so with Bob Ross, he he learned to paint initially when he was in um, the military mm-hmm. station in Alaska, and he would uh, paint on the back of like tin cans and like stuff and sell them for extra cash. Um, and when he moved to Florida. After he retired from the military, mm-hmm. he took up painting and uh, under Bill Alexander because he had seen his TV show. He trained under him. And he trained under him. And, I remember reading that, actually. Yeah, and uh, and Bob Ross's show was really – he never really got paid for the show. He used it as a way to advertise his his uh, painting lessons and his later on his uh, su- art supply company. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how he made money, really, was from his supply company. Yeah. But – he mimicked the style of Bill Alexander's show a lot, and Bill mm. Alexander actually grew to like dislike him because yeah. he felt that he was copying him. Yeah. Um, but wet on wet, it's 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 an Italian. I'm looking at it right now. So alla prima, um, meaning first attempt. It's a uh, it's a direct style painting. Um, Wait, guys, I, I don't want to interrupt, but um, focus on that word first attempt. First attempt, yeah. Bob Ross always taught that there's no mistakes, only happy accidents. Happy accidents, yeah. And I think he could have he done a show of a different style of painting. Uh-huh. And, but I think he particularly chose the wet-on-wet style to show that um, mistakes are going to be made, but you adapt to that and you make it yeah. work. And when you're painting in this technique, I mean, first of all, he did it because it is faster. Well, it's the, faster. For the production of the, the show. Production, yeah. but, but it also, also shows... It really teaches a good lesson about... Um, yeah, because it's not that that's not that, you know, accepting your mistakes isn't present in other styles of painting, mm-hmm. but because you're waiting to dry, there's a little bit more of you can step back and look at what you painted and think about it. And the wet on wet you is sort of – it's a faster style of painting where you just keep going. You just accept it. And exactly. Yeah. It, it teaches you the idea of, oh, you know, that doesn't look perfect, but uh, I can just do this and change it here and mm-hmm. make that work. And, and there's and been times where he's messed up on the show. Um, like he accidentally gets like a glob of paint somewhere and then he, <laughs> he, he's just like, okay, let's just make this into a little rock over here. He lives here. Like yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> I love how he does that where he like talks about the things in his paintings as if they really exist. Like here's a little tree living over here. Yeah. And this little truck, this little rock hiding and behind also, that. Also, you mentioned that, um, was he in the air force, right? Or, mm, I don't remember what branch. Maybe he was double, yeah. He was in the U S okay. 1961, 18-year-old Ross enlisted the United States Air Force, and mm-hmm. he's put in service as a medical records technician. But then he rose to uh, the rank of Master Sergeant, and he talks about um, how when he was Master Sergeant, he had to yell at guys all day, all the time. Yeah. And he said after he left the military, 
he never wanted to raise his voice to anyone. That he was a really stern sergeant, too, I've heard. Um, he didn't play around. But after that, he, he wanted to be calm and, you know, use his words wisely. Yeah, a quote from Bob Ross directly is he said that, um, it says in his own words, um, he was tough and mean and, quote, the guy that made you scrub the latrine, the guy that makes you make your bed, the guy who screams at you for being late to work. Yeah. That's his own words on that. Mm-hmm. So he really turned around and decided to be this Zen master of peace. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because he's always been, he was always a very uh, gentle-natured person, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you know, he did his job. Well, he did his job, yeah. You know, so when he was in the military, it was his job to yell at people. He's a practical so he, man. So he did yell at them um, because that's what he was supposed to do. But yeah, he, so he was in the Air Force Base in Alaska. Um, yes, I don't remember El- where in Alaska. Ellison Air Force Base. There. If my grandpa's listening to this, he'll probably know exactly where it is. He, Worked and lived Man, in Alaska for a beer long crack. time. That was a good beer crack. Wow. <laughs> Side note. Oh, more Foster's. Good. Um, yeah. Wait, what's the... Okay. I'm not too... I don't know too much about Foster's, so they're different colors? Is that... Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I was drinking the green can, and I am now... Are they both lagers? Or no, okay. Uh, so no, I'm premium ale, the... and now you're drinking a lager. Okay. Yeah, there's the premium ale and the lager. I think the ale, the premium ale, the green can, I think it's a little... Of an easier drink. Okay. Um, the lager. I'm that one first. The lager is um, not that it's not easy, but it's it's you know the premium ale is is more similar to if you're used to uh, PBRs. And stuff okay. Like that. Yeah. Um, the lager is still a very PBR-ish mm-hmm. style, but um, it's got a little more. Would of it a be good for a mamosa? It. it would be great for a mamosa. Nice. If, uh, for you listening, a mamosa <laughs> is a fantastic drink. It is like a mimosa, but instead of champagne, you use beer. It's the poor man's mimosa. Mm-hmm. Even though you can get champ- really cheap champagne, but why would you do that? Yeah, yeah. I'd rather get a decent beer than cheap champagne. Exactly. And mamosas are a great way to take a cheap beer like a PBR and make it a little bit better. Yeah, and you can extend its longevity that Ex- way. Yeah. You know, like... Um, uh, here's an alternative for you. There's a drink that uh, that we have. I'm sure there's another name for it, um, but we call it a Malimosa. Um, and it, this is this is it's the same as a Mammosa. So you get a beer, typically a light one, like a lager, like a PBR. You definitely you want know, a light beer. Don't miss lighter it. beer. Don't fuck with any dark beers or stouts or yeah. heavy IPAs. Ouch. Lighter beer, um, easy on the palate. And instead of adding orange juice, we use the Deep Eddy orange vodka and it tastes pretty much the same as if you were put orange juice on it but it's way more alcoholic because it's vodka mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> here you go so there's a little quick lesson on mimosas they're yep. really good please try it it's so easy they're so easy you yeah. probably have some orange juice lying around and some like you can i mean i'd rather use something else but you you could even use Bud Light with it, and it would work. It would yeah. make the Bud Light better. Well, at the same time, there's, there's a balance there of what type of beer you want to use. You don't want to use Bud Light, because Bud Light sucks. Well, yeah, you don't use that. But you don't want to waste you don't your waste good beers good beer. on making mimosas. Mimosas are for, like, shitty... Oh, sh- shoot. 
I, for, right. I forgot uh, we're not cussing in this one. <laughs> well, we're trying. Mimosas are for crappy beers like PBRs or Coors Banquet or Miller. Um, beers that are crappy but acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> but um, anyways, back to Bob Ross. He was stationed in Alaska. Yeah. Um, that's why <laughs> he was inspired to paint a lot of images of mountains and valleys. Yeah, you can nature. definitely see it when you uh, and, look at his paintings. It, and his paintings, I remember I've talked to people that discredited Bob Ross, and I'm like, what's wrong with you? This is the one He's, I was talking about, the, the lake. With the, I love his paintings. They have this really nice style to them. They kind of have this softness, and they're not overly realistic or anything, they're but very stylish. They're just very... enough where it you can imagine being in this setting. They're very Americana style. Yeah. Um, so when, when when I was growing up, I guess they they still paint. <laughs> my mom paints and my grandma and my great-grandma. Yeah. All artists. Um, and my grandma paints uh, landscapes. Uh, she does it less anymore. She's she's been she's been, she's been doing pottery recently, I think. Okay. But um but she does landscapes, but not this type. She does this very similar style. In, I mean, in not in how she paints it, but in the the vibe of the painting as Bob Ross style. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't paint these like Alaskan mountainscapes. Um, she uh, she paints like you know uh, plains and fields and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I can later on. I can maybe. So pull look up, at this to... painting we just pulled up. Yeah, this um, is a very different one. So this one, I'll have to try to find out which episode this was because this one is um, in the ocean. It's a beachside painting yeah. um, with rocks and the ocean. And it um, has this really nice sunset. Um, sunset is what really beautiful. drew me to it. And I love how he plays with light. Like it's not overly done. Yeah, you can um, see you can see in here. There's a little bit of, in the wave here. There's a little bit of purple or pink mm-hmm. because of the, the sun shining through the yep. water. It's a and nice touch. I argue that he was a genuinely good artist. He I, was. I love his art. Um, but yeah, I've met people that tried to discredit him that said he was just for kids and that like. The people, the reason people discredit his art, I think, was because he was a TV artist. Yeah, Not because of his actual art. Mm-hmm. People, they don't like the idea of a TV artist who's selling their art supplies. Well, here's the deal. I mean, he, the guy had to make money. He had to have a career yeah. in life. But also, he was teaching people how to paint, mm-hmm. and some some of the people watching him probably were better than him. But I bet they still learned things and enjoyed it. I mean, um, I can't remember the exact figure. I think it was somewhere around like 60% of the viewers were just watching. Yeah, there's so, so many. Even when it was out. Like now, a lot of people just watch it. Like he's really blowing up again. Same thing with Bob Ross. I mean, same thing with Mr. Rogers. We're talking about Bob Ross. But um, <laughs> he's really blown up in internet culture. Like a lot of his episodes are on YouTube and stuff. Um, they even have a Funko Pop of them, for God's sake. They have um, <laughs> um, they have one Funko Pop I really I really kind of want, and it's a Deadpool Funko Pop. Oh, the Deadpool has the Bob, Bob Ross. Ross outfit. So there's the hilarious. Deadpool Bob Ross. I remember they did a skit for that for the movie, mm-hmm. for the promotion, and um, 
And then another one, Tenacious D did a skit, a Bob Ross skit. Really? I've yeah, not seen because that. for the their latest album, Post Apocalypto, which oh, I enjoy as an album. It tells I have a fun seen story. That. But they do, yeah, they do this because yeah. Jack Black did all the art for it, and it's. <laughs> I love Jack Black, but it's really bad, and he'll admit it. It's really bad MS Paint art, and they yeah. did this Bob Ross skit, and then when he's done, it's just this like crappy MS Paint art. The album, yeah, cover. and that's what, but I love it so much because. It's Jack Black's true art. It's so genuine. Like, he didn't get an artist to do this for him. He did yeah. his own art, which adds more to the humor, I think. And, um, by the way, that album. Here we go. Okay, I'm pretty sure we, we'll be able to post this on Instagram. I would save that. Just if not, case. if not, we'll. If not, we'll send a link we'll to it. We'll put a link out. But it's, uh, Jack Black as. With the Bob Ross like afro, yeah, and and here's a good a good thing to point out. He has the easel with the canvas, but then and he then has a, like a notebook, a notebook page taped to the <laughs> canvas, and that's what he's drawing on. Yeah, which is <laughs> it's amazing. And then and then he has Kyle Gass posing <laughs> posing for him. Oh, that's the one we gotta post. Yeah, post. <laughs> I'll save that. Yeah, yeah save that. Um, I think we should be good on that. Um, <laughs> But um, I've been watching, not a ton, but I've been watching Bob Ross. I have him, so on my TV, so I have my inputs for like my PlayStation and stuff like that. And then whenever it goes, when I turn my PlayStation off, I have it where the channel it's on is Bob Ross. So it's always Bob oh, Ross. that's such time. a good idea. Sometimes I'll just have Bob Ross in the background while I'm doing other stuff. That is a great idea. Just to, you know, add this peaceful energy to the room. So I have these pretty, pretty paintings on, you know, on my TV. And, um, and I get to look at Bob Ross. And then I, I've watched uh, quite a few of his episodes. And I just always feel so warm and just like. There was uh, at one point. You when... can be having the worst day. And if you watch an episode of Bob Ross, even if you're not an artist or anything, you will feel so much better. He's just very relaxing. He's so relaxing. Him. He's um, got this Zen energy, and he um, and he teaches good lessons. And when we get to Mister Rogers, we'll really get to that. Yeah. But um, Bob, but Bob Ross also teaches good lessons uh, a lot about just um. Being true to yourself, uh -huh. um, not beating yourself up over mistakes. There's no mistakes, only happy accidents. And just, not even just for painting, but when you're doing something, do it to the best of your ability, but don't judge yourself while doing it. Just go yeah. with it like just go with it and he also just he gave off a very zen energy in the same way that like if you take certain characters like uh the dude oh that was a good that was a very good one was yeah. okay bravo let's take a moment <laughs> and clap for that <laughs> but if you, there's certain there's certain there's certain people and characters like uh, the dude from The Big Lebowski, where it's like he's part of the reason why that movie is so fun to watch is because the dude is just gives off is like so chill. 
Mm-hmm. Or uh, so, uh, famous people like uh, Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves is just such a chill dude. Like I like well, watching videos of Keanu Reeves. He's, he's on, not like, just chill. He's genuine. He's genuine. He's not. You know, he's not putting on an act. For yeah. You. I mean, when he's acting, he is. But oh, of when course. he's doing like an interview or something. <laughs> yeah, I like watching interviews of like people like Keanu Reeves because it's like he's just a genuine chill guy. And Bob yeah, Ross down to earth. was definitely like that. He was a genuine chill guy. And so Bob Ross with his big perm, the big fro. Um. From what I've read and heard, that he first he cut his hair really short, short, but it grew out. But he was too lazy, so he put it in the perm. What what I heard is that because um, it was easy, right? Well, what I heard it wasn't. It's not that because it was easy. It's because at the time he was broke. Oh and yeah, he was getting a perm. Broke, yeah, you, you do the perm once, and it's less maintenance after it's that less maintenance than his and- normal haircut. Yeah, and it would save him money, but he ended up. But apparently, he it. ended up disliking it. But he kept it throughout the entire show. For the image. For the image, yeah. Yeah. Well, he, you know, at for the, the audience. By the time he's, you know, realized he didn't like it, um, he he had a company that he was selling art supplies that had his image on it. Mm-hmm. So he had to. He at that point he had to keep the image. Yeah, he had to. Yeah. Um. And. Uh, and yeah, most people, if you talk about Bob Ross, it's pretty easy to picture him. <laughs> yeah. I know exactly what he looks like. Oh, yeah. I don't have to look at anything. Um, and he's and he's listed um, as one of the famous U.S. veterans, like on the actual like military sites. Like, really? Yeah. That's pretty they cool. They have him highlighted because he he did spend like a good 20 years in the military well yeah he started in 61 and um yeah he's in the military for a while because yeah he did he didn't just do his his normal military he retired from the air force and not so he started in 1961 retired 1981 so 20 years 20 years and he retired with the rank of master sergeant so he was legit like yeah uh, he wasn't just like a medic for like. It was a proper career. Yeah, it was a military career. Yeah. Um. Um. But yeah, he's just a really chill guy. I love watching his episodes. Um, I kind of dabble in art, but I'm not much of a painter to say for myself. I don't know about you. Um. um I grew up in a family of artists, but I never really dabbled in painting. Mm-hmm. I did drawing. I did charcoal. You know, I but, think I might actually tr- get all the supplies, get the canvas, get all my oil paints, get the... The brush? <laughs> the brush. The palette? The easel? The palette. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want to sit down and watch an episode and actually try Let's to Let's do that together. Lot. Yeah. Okay, guys. Let's okay. do a special video guys. episode. We got a special episode. I don't know when it's going to happen, but we're going to sit down and try to do a Bob Ross painting. Let's do it. We're going to do it along with Bob we Ross. We can we can make it we can make it a special video episode. Yeah. Um you wouldn't we wouldn't be able to put the Bob Ross show 
in the we would have to just show like, you us yeah and we, we, we would can, have the link to we can episode. link the episode so you can watch it with there's us. a genuine episode idea that is a good idea let's definitely and do that you'll get to see our stupid faces finally yeah um, <laughs> finally you'll get to see just, our, and you'll get to see our stupid painting skills and not just the drawings <laughs> of us by the way colton you did a great job of those drawings thank you i <laughs> I love how much they look like us, but also how dumb they make us look. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if that's just because they look like us or it's the style. Either way, it's I the, love them. It's the style. It's definitely. I, I love them though. Yeah, yeah they're um, fun. It's perfect for the logo. We had a hard time coming up with a logo for a while. Yeah, we were um, trying to trying a few different things, um, but everything I tried when when I was trying just seemed to come out as really basic. Mm-hmm. And not not unique at all. The drawings make it unique. Makes it their own. Yeah. Every podcast has well, a lot of podcasts has like a very basic like logo. Like they'll have like a microphone in the middle and maybe like additional like art and stuff. Yeah. And I, I like the route we went uh, with it. Um. Yeah, uh, I've got some. Before we move on from Bob Ross, I've got a couple fun facts. Here. All right, fun facts. Okay, new segment. Fun fact time. <laughs> fun facts with Colton. All right, so um, or shall I say crawfish? Throughout the thirty-one years that the joy of painting was on the air, that's insane. It is estimated he painted up to thirty thousand paintings, and he didn't make any money off of most of them. He donated most of them mm-hmm. to say like PBS stations and stuff like that, yeah. who would then auction them off but he ne- he very rarely actually sold his paintings he only made money off of his art off, supplies. off his art supplies and um he gave uh, art lessons as well. yeah art lessons um uh, and art lessons are not cheap especially if you're doing no. one-on-one that's definitely not cheap um <laughs> neither are music lessons yeah especially. um and and here's here's the other the other fun fact uh he was missing an index finger or the tip of his index finger and he lost that. I never noticed. Yeah. Well, an interesting thing Did is... Did he have like one of those leather tips on it or something? No, but he held his palette in a way where you wouldn't see it most of the time. Oh! But there are some... Nice. There are some moments that you can see it. Um, I love how he... I mean, he was so conscious of keeping this image for the audience, you know... To not taint. He's missing about here we go. He was missing about half of his index finger. Oh wow. Yeah. And it's from a woodworking incident, actually, when he was growing up with his father. No, back in back in the day and even now, like if you're working in like a factory or something, crap that stuff happens a lot. Oh, I know yeah. um Tony Iomi of Black Sabbath, amazing guitarist, riff master. Oh yeah. Plugging. Love um it. he lost like most of his fingertips for the left hand, the hand he plays really? on the neck of the guitar. Wow. Like a few days before he quit the job because he was going to quit. He put in this two weeks notice and he was working in like this meat factory, like not factory, <laughs> the slaughterhouse. Yeah. And I, or it might've not been that. Um, Butcher slaughterhouse. He meat, was working uh, in some, it might've been like a letter works place. Huh. I'm going to look it up for you guys. Real All quick. of those places you could lose fingers at. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he, he lost the tips of his fingers. Wow. 
Wow. And ever since then, he had to wear leather fingertips to play guitar. And huh. some people say that it tr- um, contributed to his style. That's interesting. Um, and even now, he has like the fingertips on when he you plays. Can, an- another example of a musician, a guitarist, who um, his uh, state of his hand oh, I think I know who you're um, to. contributes to his style is Django Reinhardt. He only had three fingers? He had two usable fingers. Two usable he fingers. He did not lose any of his fingers, but from what I understand, it was he burned them really bad. So he Oh yeah, he, yeah, I he remember. He only that. had two usable fingers. I think he could use the rest of his hand of his other fingers to mute strings mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but he couldn't really push he would down mute on the them. strings and he and would like was, do the octaves and like Yeah, yeah, and you can hear in his style, you can see it when he's playing. He's only playing with two fingers and it's his index finger and his middle finger which make it even more impressive. Oh wow. Yeah. So Tony Iommi, he lost the tips of the middle and ring fingers of his right hand. Um Oh, he's lefty too. Uh, an industrial accident on his last day of work in a sh- last day of work. Jesus. In a sheet metal factory. Oh God, a sheet metal factory. Yeah, oh, you're wow. bound to lose fingers. Definitely. I had a teacher. He was one of my math teachers, and on both of his hands, he was m- missing his fingers. Wow. Some of them were longer than others because some of them got cut off at different points, but. He was working in a factory when he was like 18 or something like just like that. Yeah. And his fingers got caught in this machine. Oh. Yeah. yeah they got that, like he said they got pulled off. There's a there's not a not cut uh, off, pulled off. That'll happen. And, um, but he he learned how to use them, you know, how to you know hold stuff and and I remember when I was first in that class, I definitely noticed it, but I I try not to judge people or well. I try not to think about that when I yeah, see things. Yeah, you don't things. focus on those things. Yeah, but I was like, wow, he really – he knows how to work with it. Like it's crazy how you can learn how to adapt yeah. and um, deal work, with things Working like in any sort of uh, factory and also working in any sort of uh, metal, mm-hmm. um, the, the chance of you <laughs> losing your hands yeah. is high. Um, you know, working with uh, metal lathes and stuff like that. Those are dangerous machines. And how did Bob Ross lose his again? Uh, it was a woodworking accident from what I understand. I don't remember exactly. But um, I don't have it pulled up. I think it was a woodworking accident. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's, uh, you know, you got to be careful with those types of machines. Um, a recommendation for all of you listening, if you're looking for a YouTube channel, look up uh, Tested. It's a uh, Adam Savage from the MythBusters. Oh yeah, I've seen some. Uh, yeah. And he does. They they do all sorts of videos. A lot of uh, uh building and, and and making props and things like that. But recently, not that long ago, he posted a video, um, uh, just a quick little video he made, you know, the day of, um, talking about his lathe, his metal lathe, and the dangers of it because he's been doing that for years. He worked on the Phantom Menace with Industrial Light and Magic. And that's how long he's been doing uh, these type, working with these types of machines. And he almost took off his finger recently. Whether he didn't, he got lucky, but it's because he was cleaning his machine and let his guard down. Never, ever let your guard down around those sort of machines. Yeah. Pro tip when dealing with heavy machinery or just machinery in general, don't let your guard down. Yeah. Got anything else you want to say about Bob Ross? Not really. I don't have much else to say. I mean, the last things I want to just say is just a recap. Um, 
he was a really nice, peaceful, genuine guy. Good painter. Yeah. Um, I love his show. Um, I feel at peace when I watch him. Um, yeah, there was a time I where like I was, his art style. There was a time Good. when I was living in the dorms up at uh, Fort Lewis College, and uh, I got sick. I think I had the flu, mm. and I just watched Bob Ross in bed all day. Made you feel it better. Was, it made me feel better. <laughs> Bob Ross made me get over the flu. Well, that's confirmed medical statement. Um, Bob well, Ross is as good as medicine. I mean, for yeah. <laughs> I mean, positive thinking can definitely help. Yeah. Um, Very relaxing. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of relaxing and positive and teaching how to get over things and such, um, Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers. Okay, this is the big one. This is the one we did the most uh, so, mediocre research on. <laughs> well... I watched the the movie with Tom Hanks. A yeah, beautiful tell us day about in that. the neighborhood. Uh, so, and I have the article it's based off of here, and I've read most of, if not all of it. <laughs> it's shaky at best. That but means he's skinned. The movie did it. The movie did it. Okay. <laughs> but so, and they changed the actual like journalist's name, the movie, and stuff. He has a different name in the movie. Yeah. But in the movie, um, and I think this is very important to talking about Mr. Rogers, actually, because um, it really explains his character and just the effect he has on people. So this guy, he's a really cynical reporter mm-hmm. and journalist. He's known for doing exposés. He's always trying to um, call people out find people's mistakes, find out people's like dark, you know, skeletons in their closets. And he doesn't have a good outlook on life. And, um, so he, well, in the beginning of the movie, I love how the movie starts. And this isn't going to be a movie review, but just, I love this part so much. I have to talk about it. So yeah. it starts out with a Mr. Rogers episode. And it's in 4-3. It's in 4-3 framing. Like a TV. Yeah, like an old TV. And it's even in, it's not even like HD or anything. It's like really old looking. But it's Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers, which he does an amazing job. That's a really good way. It's a really good way to set the character and make us believe that this is Mr. Rogers. So this sets two characters at once. So this... Obviously sets up Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers. Yeah. And, you know, it's just nice. To, it, they replicate the intro and everything perfectly. Um, but he goes on. It's like a standard uh, Mr. Rogers show, you know, episode. And um, he he gets the little picture frame, like, wall where he opens up yeah. the pictures. And he gets the first one. He's like, oh, it's King Friday the 13th. You know, he does a little thing on them and he get, does a couple more, but he gets to this. It's like the second to last one, actually, because the last one they're saving for the end of the movie. Yeah. Well, he opens it up. It shows who I the main character is actually the reporter in this movie, I think. Yeah. Mr. Rogers is just like the catalyst. Yeah. Um, but it shows him with like a bloody no- like a broken, bloody nose. And Mr. Rogers is like, hmm, wonder what happened to him. It looks like our friend got in a fight here. He must have been angry. 
Um, and he's, um, he's like, you ever feel angry? Do you ever feel like, you know, you've been done wrong? And, and what I love about Mr. Rogers, he teaches, especially for kids, obviously, but it, I think anyone can learn from this any age that, um, it's okay to be mad at someone. It's okay, yeah. It's okay to be angry. Don't build up and pin up all that anger. He's very good at teaching um, lessons about He life. teaches you how, well, and he teaches you how to um, vent out that anger and that it's okay to be angry. Don't feel bad for being angry. There's, unfortunately, people are going to do wrong things to you or you might conceive that as wrong at least. Yeah. Um, and it's okay to be angry because that's part of being human. And, um, and, you know, he's like, you know, do you have a pound of clay to like beat or like stuff like that? Um, but yeah, I think one of the most important things is he teaches kids about being human and that making mistakes is okay. The human condition. The human condition. And that you just have to learn how to deal with them in a nice, peaceful way. Um, yeah. But he talks about the reporter, like that he must have gotten a fight or something. And well, anyways, it zooms, it shows where the reporter gets in the fight. Um, and his name in the movie, Lloyd Vogel. Well, anyways, he goes to his sister's wedding. His dad is there, and he has a really bad relationship, like a strange relationship with his dad. His dad left him and his mom. Well, his mom was. Skipping forward, his mom was dying in the hospital, and his dad got with another woman and stuff mm. before her his mom died. Oh. So he's been really mad at his dad about that. His dad tries talking to him, and they get in a fight. He throws a punch at his dad. Um, him and his dad punch each other, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they both fight. And um, But then anyways, a little bit later, he's he, – so he's a journalist. He's sent on this assignment to do – just a little 400-word article on Mr. Rogers for the special Heroes edition of the magazine. Yeah. Um, it was Esquire. Yeah. Um, and he was like, really, Mr. Rogers? Like, you're going to make me interview him? And they're like, just do what I say. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and he's used to doing exposés and, like, big, like, essays on people. And they're like, just do a quick 400-word thing. Just make it nice. Make it sweet. It's Mr. Rogers. It should be simple. Yeah. Well, anyways, he finally meets Mr. Rogers. And when he walks into the studio, he does it at – well, actually, Mr. Rogers calls – well, he calls Mr. Rogers his representative, his manager. And then Mr. Rogers himself calls back and says, I would love to um, talk to you, uh, Lloyd Vogel. Um and he was like, all right. And the other journalist is like, okay, let's schedule, a, you know, an interview. And he was like, well, you have me now. Yeah. It's like, you can talk to me right now. <laughs> so they talk on the phone some, but then he finally meets them and he goes to the studio when he's filming an episode. Yeah. And he's doing this thing with this kid. Like this kid has a disability. I forgot what it was, but he has like oxygen tank and stuff. And the reporter's like, oh, does he do this? Is this a Make-A-Wish Foundation thing? Yes. Yeah, and they're like, no. He does this every it's episode. This is what he does. He has a one-on-one with a, a kid, with a kid in need. And and the kid, he's playing around with, like, this toy sword. 
And Mr. Rogers is like, oh, that must be really heavy. That looks sharp. He's like, you must be really strong. And the kid's like, oh, no, it's not. It's not heavy. Um, he's like, well, I know you're strong on the inside. And then the kid, he gives the sword to his, like, mom. And the kid just goes, hugs Mr. Rogers. And it's one of the oh, most yeah. wholesome moments. And I guess something like that must have happened. Because this movie is supposed to be very accurate. Really? Yeah. That's I good. mean, they adapt some things. And they take some creative liberties but they stay true to the character well not even the character to the person of mr rogers yeah and this guy so throughout the movie just to get through it the rest of it he learns so many lessons just from interviewing mr rogers he makes amends with his dad and his dad actually has a heart attack movie but he makes amends with his dad and mr rogers really helps him realize that it's not all about him and it's, you, you know, don't have a negative outlook on everything. Everyone makes mistakes. Yeah. Um, and don't hurt the people you love. Well, Mr. Rogers was, um, he was good about teaching lessons. So I remember watching Mr. Rogers when I was a kid. Oh, I've watched some too. So I, he, he um, was on the, I was really little. Though. He was making episodes until 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do remember I don't, started, I don't remember much from that age, but I remember watching Mr. Rogers. Uh, but they kept him on the air until I think it was like 2008, I want to say. Mm-hmm. They d- kept doing replays. Yeah, they kept replays. doing replays. Now you can find – by the way, we're not plugging here, but you can find them. If you have Amazon Prime, they have like volume one and two of Mr. Rogers. Oh, wow. If you want to watch any of it. Yeah. Um, and I did in preparation for this. Um he started in 1968. Yeah, he's been on the air and for a long, several generations he, worth. I think he stopped the first run of the show like in the early to mid 70s. I can't yeah. remember the exact date, but I know he started it back in the 80s, and he went on from that until basically he died. Yeah, he died two years later. Yeah, after um, the end of 2000, the show. February 27, 2003. I yeah. And it was like stomach cancer or something, which that's a bummer. But he, yeah. I mean, he was old. But um, yeah, he was born in 1928. Yeah, so he was older. <laughs> he was around but, um, for a while. He was just and this guy, the reporter in the movie, and and in the article, he talks about this that he thought the Mister Rogers on the show was a character. Yeah, that it was an act, it was a performance. It absolutely wasn't. And, he was, and he was interviewing him, and he was like, so. Why do you think Mr. Rogers is a hero, the character of Mr. Rogers? And and Fred Rogers just sitting there like, what, what do you mean? He's like, well, when you do the show, you have Mr. Rogers, and then in real life, you're Fred Rogers. He's like, no, no, because he got it. He got same. into TV. <laughs> he got into TV because he disapproved basically of what was on TV. Mm-hmm. He thought, and he thought he he basically got into TV because he thought he needed to bring something to it, yeah. And that something was honesty and wholesomeness, transparency, and transparency. Honesty. He wanted he thought, something good. He for thought kids. kids deserved that. And if you really watch a show and pay attention, it's not just a like stupid kids show. He's no. teaching real lessons, yeah. and he's teaching. Basically, about the he's teaching some deep stuff because no, nothing kids. about the show was like you know uh, just catering to kid audiences. It was what he thought 
children actually deserve to hear. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a, a really good story about – so I have it here. It's Let's in 1984, Burger King released a commercial bashing on McDonald's where they hired a Mr. Rogers impersonator. Mm. And apparently it was a very good impersonator. Um, you can look it up if you want. Um, it's a Mr. Rodney Burger King commercial, 1984. Um, Heresy, I yeah. say. <laughs> um, and so Mr. Rogers was naturally – he was not cool with it. I bet. Because because he felt that that was lying. Yeah. It wasn't – it had nothing to do with them using his image. It was deceiving children. Yeah. These children who were f- comfortable with Mr. Mr. Rogers, they trusted Mr. Rogers. And Burger King was using that image. Most kids to... probably thought that was Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Kids, when we're young, we don't have facial recognition. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't. We don't notice. Our that frontal stuff. lobe's not developed yet. Um, but he uh, he felt that Burger King was deceiving children by mm-hmm. using his image. It had nothing to do with is. copyright. It was just he disapproved of the act yeah. itself. Um, so he. Mr. Rogers gave a gave a phone call to the CEO of Burger King, <laughs> and he talked to him. But apparently, the story that I heard about this is he didn't talk about the commercial. He didn't mention it once. He just talked to the CEO about because both of them are fathers. So he talked to them about talked to him about the the idea of being honest to your children and and what they deserve as children and growing up and. And just had an honest conversation father to father. Mm-hmm. And then the Burger King CEO went and had the commercial taken down. Oh, wow. Because he felt really bad about well, it. Well, um, even in the movie, and I bet in real life, um, when he – well, he ended up interviewing the journalists pretty much. <laughs> but he would just have these heart-to-heart heart conversations, not interviews, just heart-to-heart moments. And – and like even when he was on the phone, he said, "Well, okay." Then the journalist was like, "Okay, we can schedule an appointment." He's like, "I don't want to waste your time." He's like, "Well, Miss Rogers, like, oh, you're not wasting my time. I'm all my focus is on you now." Yeah. No, he's he was very. You know, there's there's a really good example of um, Officer Clemens in the mm-hmm. in his show. So he was a black gay. Police officer. Well, he played a police officer, and that was that's really it was, progressive. It was very progressive, then. even for and, now. And we that's can, progressive. We can get into the progressive part of it later, but there's a there's a a story I heard from the guy who played Officer Clemens that so Mr. Rogers would end a lot of the episodes with something along the lines of he would look at the camera and say like you know you are important you know I you know that that sort of thing mm-hmm. um, love yourself all that sort of thing and there is. Um, an interview with officer Clemens and he said there was one time he was filming and he'd been working on the show for a while. And, um, he realized Mr. Rogers when he was saying that was looking directly at him. Mm-hmm. And he, after the, after they stopped filming, he goes up to Mr. Rogers and says like, were you talking to me? Were you, he goes, I've always been talking to you. You just, just now heard it. Yep. Yeah. And well, yeah, he, when he's talking to anyone, he always gives them their full attention. Definitely. And yeah. what I love, he talks about how when he's doing the show, he thinks of that just he's talking to one child and he thinks about just having a one-on-one with them. Definitely, um, yeah. 
And, and, and that's that's one of the things that makes it so unique. And I just love – so uh, same thing with Bob Ross. He taught that it's okay to make mistakes and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And um, in the movie – and I'm pretty sure this wasn't a real episode. I'll have to try to find it. But um, there's a segment where he's like, okay, we're going to – we're going to set up a tent. Yeah. And it's one of those like pop-up tents. It's supposed to be easy, but you, it typically requires like two or three people to do it properly. And he's trying to do it by himself and he just <laughs> can't do it. And he's just fumbling around and they film him fumbling around with it for a while. And then eventually he's just like, I can't do it. <laughs> I guess you need two grownups to set up a tent. Yeah. And then he goes back, he talks to the producers and writers and stuff, and they're like, okay, we can set up the tent for you. Like, we can have it set up, for, you know, so you can do another take. And he was like, no, I like that. Yeah. He was like, because... Teaches a lesson. It teaches that even when you're an adult, things don't always go as they're planned. Yeah. And you have There's to adapt a, to that. Another example of uh, when he was filming the show, I don't remember what episode or anything like that, but um, he's drawing on a piece of paper and he's showing you how to draw, I don't remember what it was, like maybe a house or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's not doing a very good job. <laughs> and he's like, I'm not very good at this, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> and I just love, I just love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next, I don't want to just talk about, we can keep talking about Mr. Rogers for a while, but I want to focus on something I really thought about. And I even, <laughs> it's kind of cheating, but I even listened to a, a Mr. Rogers specific podcast. Really? It's this guy that was friends with Mr. Rogers. Oh, and he wow. started a podcast that's kind of in the style of his episodes. Yeah. And on the first episode, and I thought this would be really good to talk about, they talk about kindness. Kindness is a good thing to talk about. So yeah. let's get to that. So what exactly do you mean by that? Well, I mean exactly what I mean. We're going to talk about the concept of being kind to one another and what it means to be kind and the distinction distinction between kindness and niceness. Oh, it's so, easy to be nice. So we're getting philosophical now. A little bit, yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> this could be a longer episode now. Ooh. But, <laughs> but I just want to hit some kind of core – I just want to hit the main things, you know. Um, so be nice. Most people, unless they're just complete jerks, are nice when they're out in public. Yeah. They're generally nice. They keep to themselves. They might say hello, stuff like that. Except for when they're dealing with customer service people. (laughs) Cause people don't treat them like humans. Well, definitely. Um, Unfortunately, a lot less people nowadays are nice. But it is easy to be nice, okay, guys? Whether you like it or not. It is, yeah. But to be kind? There is a... That... When you put it that way of, you know, anyone can be nice. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of see what you mean. Well, so to be kind, that takes extra energy and thought it takes extra energy and thought there's a genuineness to it kindness versus niceness i think i would say kindness implies there's some amount of you actually care 
Well, and this goes back to Mr. Rogers. He always taught kindness. And he always taught that it's okay to be angry. It's okay to have negative feelings. You can be angry you, and, and still kind. You don't want to just be nice to people ignorantly. You yeah. don't want to be nice to everyone. Not everyone deserves you to be nice to. But respect and kindness yeah. is well, very important. So – I th- I think I think it is very much possible to, in some situations, to not be nice, but still show kindness. Mm-hmm. Well, like I cannot, we can be talking about something on this podcast, and I might not agree with you, but the kind thing to do would to actually listen to your points. Yeah. Respect you, and then I would give you my point, but I want to lash out on you. And that doesn't mean I have to be nice. I could be kind of a jerk about it, but yeah. as long as I'm respecting you, yeah, there's a I think that's reasonable. You don't necessarily have to be nice to be kind. Um, uh, kindness is is it's showing. I feel kindness is often showing understanding. Yeah. Yeah. So I mentioned that I listened to this Mister Rogers podcast, and let me yeah. find because I don't want to just mention them without. Yeah, let's shout out to them. Shouting them out. Um, I think it's called uh, – it's like a beautiful day. It's something like that. Um, God, I'm going to have to find it again. <laughs> <laughs> but they talk – their first episode, they talk about the concept of kindness. Oh. And um, they talk about how – so the guy doing the podcast, his kid was getting bullied at school. And obviously the bully wasn't being nice to him, but, um, you know, he taught him to be kind and to respect and try to understand the bully. And one day the bully showed up with a black eye. Yeah. So obviously something's happening at home. He's getting hit by his dad or something. There's something going on. There's someone influencing him to act that way to other people because that's all he knows. Yeah. So often it can be really hard to be kind because sometimes you have to be kind to the people you don't like. Yeah, Um, definitely. Just to understand them, to understand why are they acting this way? Why are they treating you this way? And that doesn't mean it's right, but it just makes you, not to say the better person, but it makes you seem like, you're not just also antagonizing them. Yeah, like, um, like for example, there's there's this one person I know that they're a total nerd, and sometimes I'm just nice to them because, you know, uh, you know I don't want to be, mm-hmm. but it's nice, you know. they and I don't want to name names, but you know their their name you know starts with a J, and and it rhymes with uh, Traxon. Um, (laughs) 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 no, but no, there, there's definitely like, you know, you don't have to be kindness is not being nice. It's not, you know, it's not, uh, showing you love something. It's showing compassion, showing compassion and understanding. Yeah, and, um, and, and Mr. Ro- that that theme is all over Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. 
I think I found it. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, no, I didn't. No? Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I can't find I found them so easily before. Huh. Um, Can you look at your history on there? Yeah. Um, I'll get to that in a second. But, um, but Mr. Rogers would often teach basically that not everyone – well, obviously not everyone's going to be nice. And you don't have to be nice to everyone just for no reason. But you should be kind and respectful. Yeah. And – Kindness and what another big difference between just being nice and being kind is to be kind is to forgive. It's to forgive. It's and it's to care. To apologize also. To realize your own mistake. Yeah. Um It's kind to hold the door for an old woman. It's nice. To just say hi. Or like, there's a lot more you have to do to just not, to be kind. Yeah. Um, and, you know, nowadays, and I don't want to get too into it, but like in the political spectrum nowadays, there's so many, well, especially in America, if we're just talking about the United States, we're very divided with parties, with Democrats and Republicans primarily. Yeah. Um, there's so many people, and it's both sides, that, oh, if you're a Republican, I'm supposed to hate you. Yeah. And disagree with everything you say, or, and vice versa. And it didn't used to always be that way. And I've even talked to my mom about it. I've talked to other people, you know, that grew up in, like, the 70s and 80s. Yeah. That, um, and I bet if we had Bill here, he would agree. That, um, oh, yeah. you know, back then it was <laughs> like, you would be, you would have Democrat friends, Republican friends, whatever. It w- didn't really matter. Um, yeah, well, it, now it, it's, it's really like interesting. The dynamics people just antagonize each other just because of the party they're in and they don't take the time to understand why, okay, why do they see things this way? Well, Why do they align with this? It's a sort of side thing, of the you know. Um, I mean, this, um, this isn't exactly. We just lash out at each other. Yeah, or like one example, and this isn't exactly showing kindness, but it is in that same vein. Like they're not purposely showing kindness, but it's a something we do out of kindness. Um, my whole extended family, a lot of them, I do not talk politics with them. We, we, we don't discuss it, and and when anyone tries to bring it up, it's clear, like, you know, especially me, but it's sometimes them too, we try to sort of end the conversation quickly. Yeah. And get to a different subject, because they are so, their opinions on politics are so vastly different from mine, that it would become a heated argument. Well, so we don't discuss it out of the sense of, we're not there to discuss politics. We're there to have a good time and be family. Yeah. And yeah, I, I see so that. let's not but get in an argument. Let's avoid a topic that we're we're kind of missing something if we can't discuss a topic without just getting mad at each other. Yeah. Um, without just straight up arguing and or fighting. Uh, yeah. There's a lot less debate going on right now. 
Yeah, you know, there's, um, there's very few things. And there. what's really allowed that are uh, really spiraled it out of control, I would say. And we're an internet podcast, but I'm just going to say it. Internet social media. Because oh, yeah. now people on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, whatever you're on, they can say anything because they're not face-to-face with you. Yeah. They can call you every name they can think of. Internet say, bullying is internet bu- well, rampant. And it's just normal now. It's yeah. normal to see someone that – okay, someone makes a political post and it might be a little controversial with some people. Someone might say Black Lives Matter. And then you'll have someone say, well, all lives matter, and then it'll get all, like, yeah. really buttered about it. Yeah, and then there's it. a whole argument going on there. And, you know, there's just a whole argument. And we're not going to get into the actual politics, but, no. you know, the, the you know you make a good point. Um, hell, even I find myself to be more willing to be aggressive in conversations when I'm online. Everyone does. Oh, yeah. I do, too. It's easier. And and going back to Mr. Rogers, we're all human, we all have these angry and kind of bad tendencies. We just have to learn to deal with them and use them wisely. We can all um, learn from Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Um, he doesn't – Mr. Rogers doesn't – and he's a true Presbyterian minister, ordained. Minister. Yeah, ordained with a bachelor's degree, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he does – subtly slip in a lot of Christian views and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because he's just teaching, you know, the good morals. He's teaching know. his morals, yeah. not his religion. But he never yeah. outrightly says you need to be a Christian or, you know, you need to do these things. And his way. and his quote-unquote Christian morals. He accepts all morals. religions. His quote-unquote Christian morals were not the uh, they're the more uh, uh, accept everyone forgiveness. Yeah, that type of Christian morals, not the uh, homosexuals are going to go to hell. Christian morals. No, it's um, the very. It's very much the like teachings of like it, Christ Jesus. Yeah, it was. It was uh, you know accept others, love thy neighbor. Love and that's thy, what the show's all about. Love thy neighbor. It's a beautiful day um, in the neighborhood. In this neighborhood. In this Colton. neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Is this um, when we're going to get into the our little side tangent here? Yeah, this is a little – we can get into a little side so tangent here. have you – has – well, so you have the Mandela effect. Mm-hmm. And to briefly summarize it, it's – okay, so a lot of people <laughs> thought Nelson Mandela – and you'll ask people, and they thought he died in the 90s in prison. Yeah. And then he was made a martyr later on. Yeah. He died in like what 2000. He got out of prison and you know I don't remember when he got when he. Didn't got he out die in like 2015 or, or no? It might have been earlier than that. But he definitely didn't die in the 90s. But you have a lot of people that thought he died in the early died in 90s. 2013. He died in 2013. I remember Obama did and he this. Be, and he became the head of state. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, the Mandela effect and any of you internet users probably already know, but um, you know. Just explain. It's where some people completely recall a different thing, a different memory than others. And so with Mr. Rogers... Yeah, and it's supposed to be apparently proof of alternate Like a dimensional shift, like someone got shifted to a different dimension. So like uh, people, like we we have the factual evidence of how something is, but people distinctly remember it differently. 
No, and it's not that they're just like being ignorant of it. They de- yeah, they distinctly remember it. Um, like another the, big one is the Berenstein Bears. Yeah, yeah, I don't. And remember even I'm very on. confused about it. Um, some people think it's the Berenstein Bears with an A, Berenstein Bears, but a lot of people think it's the Berenstein Bears, and some people think the name was changed, maybe, but apparently. From what I from what I remember, it name never changed, unless it was like a typo on some of the books. Yeah. Um. And there's a lot of uh, different examples, but um, the big one with Mister Rogers, or the only one with Mister Rogers, is that he says it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Yeah. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. It's this neighborhood. And I always thought he said it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. I did as well. Yeah. Oh, uh, my God. I've got a, I've got a couple <laughs> things up here of examples of the Mandela Effect. So the first uh, one he's got here. The Looney Tunes. Is it spelled Looney T-O-O-N-S? We're not going to tell you. Is it? Okay. Just while you're listening, do you think it's spelled... T- Tunes, T-O-O-N-S, or T-U-N-E-S. Which one is it? Which one is it? We'll tell you Look later. Look it up. That's an example of it. The Berenstein Bears, we already uh, mentioned that. Uh, Curious Wait. George, does he have a tail? Does Curious George have a tail? We'll tell you later. <laughs> I, re- I, I do. Re- this, is, this is one example of one I, I, I remember correctly. Wait, go but, back to the Berenstein Bears one. Berenstein B E R E N S T A I N, not Berenstein. See, that was that really. Oh, I probably me. yeah. So uh, here's another one. Is it Sex in the City or Sex and the City? I always thought it was Sex in the City. I always thought it was as well. Um, but is sex and, and the, city. the city? Okay, so the Curious George one. He never had a tail. He never had a tail. No. Um, the Looney Tunes one. It's spelled T U N E S. T U N E S. Like um, a tune. Oscar Meyer. Oh my God! Is this one's gonna Oscar mess. Oscar M E Y E R or M A Y E R. I always thought it was E Y E R. I did too, but it's Mayer. M A Y E R. Mayer. Wow. Um. Let's see. Uh, oh, this is one I've, I've heard of. Uh, what? Fruit Loops. Okay, I knew this one. Yeah. Uh, um, a lot of people remember Fruit Loops as being fruit being F-R-U-I-T. It's actually F-R-O-O-T. Fruit. It's wild. <laughs> that might be an example of um, people uh, just remembering. They, they don't remember how it's spelled. They're just remembering a correct spelling of the word fruit. Um, okay, this, this one, one is stupid. This yeah. one's really stupid. Some people apparently remember uh, the portrait of King Henry VIII holding a turkey leg. Yeah, no. that's stupid. No. No royal portrait would Never do that. Thought that. Uh, does the Monopoly man have a monocle? I thought he did sometimes. He didn't. He never had a monocle. Oh, that's Mr. Peanut. Yeah, and that's what they say right here. They say... Uh, um, uh, a lot of people think it's confusion between Monopoly Man and Mr. Peanut. Um, <laughs> Pikachu's tail. Does Pikachu 
have black detailing on the end of the See, tail. if you show me this, I want to know because I'm not enough a uh, Pokemon fan. I was into Pokemon when I was a kid. I mean, I, I liked it, but I wouldn't be able to just tell by looking at But yeah, there's a tons of examples up here of... Um, the Mona Lisa's smile is one example. Her smile's really subtle. Super subtle. It's there, but it's not obvious. C-3PO with a silver leg. He had a silver leg. He did have a silver leg. That's true. Go watch yes. A New Hope. Yeah. People don't remember that. Uh, yeah. Flintstones. But yeah, there's a lot of examples in Mandela Effect. And this is probably something that's going to come up throughout other episodes, for sure. Um, uh, there's a lot of examples of movie quotes that people associate with Mandela Effect that are misquoted. Well, I know a big one. So, well, uh, I know a big one that I remember is um, it's not Luke, I am your father. It's no, no I, am I am your father. father. That's a big one. And I know my dad always said, Luke, I am your father. He grew up watching those movies. So that's kind of wild. Do I really believe in like the dimensional rift stuff? Yeah. I Not really. I don't I know. just say people are misremembering. Yeah. Um, but then again, do I not believe? Do I believe in parallel universes and alternate dimensions? Yes. Here, here's a here's a fun little before we get back onto uh, Mr. Rogers <laughs> and our topic. Um, some little trivia for you guys at home. Um, misquoted movie lines. Because while we were kind of on that topic, uh, this one uh, in. Forrest Gump, is it – people say mama always said life is like a box of chocolates. Or is it mama always said life was like a like <laughs> – <It was laughs> mama always said life was like a box of chocolates. Is it life is like a box of chocolates or life was, was like, like a box of chocolates? Well, then we're not going to reveal the real you answer let us here. You're going to have to do that at home. Um, oh, uh Wizard of Oz. Is it Mama o or is <laughs> I was just oh, shit. Is it Toto we're not in Kansas anymore? Or Toto I've got a or I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. I don't know. Uh the graduate. Because I, I see the answer uh, right here. Miss <laughs> Robinson, are you trying to seduce me? Or Miss Robinson, you're trying to seduce me, aren't you? I I can tell you right now, I had it wrong. Yeah, I didn't know that. I, one. I had it wrong. Okay, here's the last one. This one, I this one I know because I watched this. Like and a week by ago. the way, guys, expect a movie review where we're not angry. Yes. On so, Jaws. Jaws. I watched this about a week ago, so I I do remember this one. Um, is it we're gonna need a bigger boat or you're gonna need a bigger boat? See, that's one I actually know. A lot yeah. of people say one of those. As a joke, but it's not the real quote. There's several so, movie quotes that, in context and conversations, make more sense to say it a little bit wrong. Mm -hmm. But um, but um, <laughs> getting back to Mister Rogers, um, you couldn't find a better guy to do a kids show teaching kids about life. Yeah. Um, he has a lot of that same zen, peaceful energy as Bob Ross, but he's – I would even argue he's more wholesome. Yeah, because um, he – He's just so casual. Bob and, Ross taught good lessons and was relaxing and zen. 
But, but it was still a painting. But it was a painting show where show. he was he was selling things. Where he was still selling things, yeah. Yeah. He was and also and I'm not trying to talk bad about Bob Ross at all, but he was kind of putting on character of Bob Ross. Yeah. He intentionally kept the perm, even though he disliked it. See, Mr. Rogers wouldn't have done that. He would have been honest with his audience. Yeah, if he didn't like the perm, he would have changed his hairstyle and on the show said you know, I wasn't happy with this. Yeah. So I did what I And he would make I, a whole episode about it. He would teach yeah. a whole lesson about how it's okay to change. Yeah. Um, he probably has that episode about it. There that. is one example of on Mr. Rogers where I always kind of thought it was a little odd that he didn't take the opportunity to teach a lesson and it was on his last episode. What's that? He the last episode of Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. He signed off the episode as if it was just any other episode. He ended it with, you know, uh, you know, I'll see you next time, that, that type of thing, mm-hmm. um, as he always did. I think he could have used the opportunity to teach a lesson about saying goodbye. Yeah, I think he just didn't want to upset his viewers or let them know what was going on. Yeah. He wanted – I mean – I mean, it is a kids. It is for kids. He probably didn't want him to be upset about the show being over and yeah. about him nearing the end of his life. Um, in the movie, um, Tom Hat- Hanks is uh, Mr. Rogers. So they he eventually at the end of the movie he goes to the reporter's house. They hang out. They have dinner, and his dad is basically just kind of slowly dying in bed. Yeah. And Mr. Rogers, and I get this had to happen. Um, I'm pretty sure it did, but um, Mr. Rogers, he starts talking about just kind of out of nowhere. They're all just kind of talking. He's like, we have a hard time talking about death, don't we? We don't want to accept it. But death is, it's part of the human condition. Mm. It's a beautiful thing, actually. It gives meaning to life yeah and that's a really important lesson yeah it's hard it can be hard to say goodbye but to say goodbye means that you cared in the first place i uh personally i don't it's not that i don't think for sure there's no afterlife but i have no reason to believe in an afterlife and that sounds really depressing but exactly what you said death it's not about looking forward to what comes afterwards but it's about what death makes now well whether you believe whether you believe in an afterlife or you're agnostic maybe you believe in it maybe you don't what can be said is that death makes you appreciate life yeah the 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 fact that one day you won't be here makes you appreciate the time that you're here every day you're here like even if if you're having a really bad day, just be happy you're alive and that you'll have the next day to wake up and do something better. Um, yeah. And it just makes you respect all the relationships you've had. And not even just that. Every every fight you've been in, you, you know, just stuff like that. Like, you know, life is... It's a one-time thing. Yeah. Whether you believe in afterlife, 
you're going to be alive physically on the earth once. Unless... So you better make... and Well, unless... Okay. Unless none of this exists. <laughs> I think, you know, as, as Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. Which means the only thing I can know at all is that I exist somehow because I think. Right. I mean, we could be in the Matrix. This could be... Um, we could be the Matrix. Um, <laughs> but if you're going to go off of, um, you know, Kant, uh, you know, this, this might not all be real. This reality might not be real, but if it's the real, only reality we're experiencing, then you should still well, what matters treat if it, it as if it were your reality. What matters if it was real to you? It's real to you. The relationships you made were <laughs> real to you. Yes. And you should appreciate that. And, but no, he, and he goes up to his dad and he whispers in his ear and, you know, his son, the journalist asks him, what did you say? What did you say to him? And he said, I would, I wanted him to pray for me because I figure he's pretty close to God now. And I thought that was mm. really sweet. That's, that's, that's um, sweet. Yeah. It was, yeah. And, and then, you know, Mr. Rogers would go on to pass on not too long after that really yeah because uh this was this well, article how old was in, he when he when he passed 1998 um mr rogers he was uh 74 74 so he was old but he wasn't especially old my grandpa's um, older than him yeah i mean he had stomach cancer it's sad but yeah. And I, I like to think, and I know, I just know, that Mr. Rogers wasn't even upset about it. He accepted no. it. I know that he would have accepted it and that it's just part of life. Yeah. Um. And yeah, he was teaching deep stuff to kids, and I thought that was important. Um, and he just taught kids did what you know it means he had, to be human. You know, he, he received... Over 40 honorary degrees. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. That is a lot. Dang. 40 honorary degrees. And several awards. Including the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And the Lifetime, lifetime Achievement. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> done, yeah, we're both on the Wikipedia page. Uh, Wikipedia, yo. Um... Fun fact! Fun fact time again. Oh, fun fact time. It's my favorite time. So We should have a theme song for fun fact time. We'll have to write a little we'll, song for we'll that. We'll work on that. <laughs> it's like, on. It'll be like on the same vein as like the, you know, uh, mail time. Um, here's the mail. It never fails. It makes, you know, from Blue's Clues. Yeah, we should do that. But <laughs> like for fun fact time. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know if you have any ideas for a fun fact uh, bit. Um, so there was this ongoing theory, and I don't know exactly how it started, but they even joked about it in the movie, that Mr. Rogers was a Navy SEAL sharpshooter. I've heard this one, yeah. None of that was Not true. true. It was just completely fabricated. Another, uh, <laughs> another, another theory in the same vein that was proven not true Um is that the reason he started the TV show is because he was a pedophile and was sentenced to community service. Wow. That definitely wasn't true. And I think anyone who's watched the show 
and has any idea about Mr. Rogers would know that that's definitely not true. People would try to find dirt on anybody. Um, I mean, how could you say that about he, a guy just, who, who there's a story of some people who one time stole his car out of the studio parking lot and they didn't know it was a car. It was his car. They didn't know that. And, um, they there was like uh, they put out something in the newspaper about it, and then like a few days later, he they found he found it returned in the studio parking lot with a note says that was like sorry we didn't know it was yours. <laughs> How could you accuse a guy with that reputation of being a pedophile? No, people were they. There's people out there that will try to dig dirt on anybody. Um, some people find it hard, and I guess it's because they have their own problems going on, that there's someone that genuinely nice and just yeah. kind and honest. That genuine, um, yeah. And we really need another personality out there like Mr. Rogers, I think. Yeah. Um, there's a and lot And, you know, of... Jimmy Fallon ain't going to cut it. No. <laughs> I like Jimmy Fallon, but he's no Mr. Rogers. No. Jimmy Fallon, if you're listening, try to be more like Mr. There's Rogers. There's a lot of hate and anger going on, and I don't <laughs> want to get into it, but we need that just genuineness, honesty, and kindness. When when uh, September 11th happened, um, Mr. Rogers put out a video. This is after the show had ended, but he had not died yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and he put out a video of comforting everyone, not just kids. Oh, wow. Be, you know, comforting. And, and, you know, you should look that up later. But he was, it was a video basically explaining, like, you know, you know, uh, how we can move on and how we can, uh, um, not look on the bright side, but, um, you know, still look on, not the bright side of the event, but still look at the bright things in life. Yeah. Despite... Yeah, it's not about discrediting bad things that have happened. Yeah, you don't ignore the bad things. It's not about ignoring them. It's about dealing with them, accepting them. And not not letting them keep you down. Yeah, moving on. Yeah. Looking at the good things that are still going on and that will continue to happen. Because he was that Um, comforting. He, he, He served several generations of people growing up. Yeah. I remember watching Mr. Rogers as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, he Me was, too. it was about, um, I was very young, but he was on the air, like making new episodes for, you know, until 2001, I was born in 97. So I was very young, but old enough to watch Mr. Rogers. Um, and they kept him on the air for a while after that. And I really want, um, and I've been petitioning for it that my nephew, uh, my sister's son starts watching Mr. Rogers. Definitely. Uh, Mr. Rogers neighborhood. I'm gonna I'm gonna make my kid watch Mr. Rogers. I think. Um, I've got um, I've got a couple other fun facts here. Got some, okay. Some got more a couple fun, fun facts. facts. Woo! Um, woo! Fun fact time. Um, uh, just some some short ones. Did you know that um, his mother knitted all his sweaters? I did um, hear that, but I wasn't for sure. I thought that yeah, was just it, a um, rumor. I, I, there's an interview with him where he said his, his mother knitted all his sweaters and he <laughs> said that he would she would knit all of her children a sweater every Christmas type of thing or it was either every Christmas or for their birthday and they were like, like pretty nice sweaters too they had a zipper and stuff they were very nice sweaters I like that I that. would love I, I one time um, 
during the winter, I wear a lot of sweaters. So do you. Because mm-hmm. um, sweaters are awesome. Oh, they're um, so cozy. They're so cozy. And I I do a thing where I'll wear, like, flannels under my sweater and, like, have the collar kind of sticking up over the sweater. Yeah. Um, and one time at uh, uh, Jabo's, uh, this bar nearby, bar pizza place uh, that we love. Nice. Jabo's, uh, Bo, if you're listening, we love you and your restaurant and your bar. <laughs> um, but he, uh, this guy at the bar, I was at the bar with my sweater and my little, you know, collared shirt sticking up over it. And uh, this guy stopped me. He goes, he was super drunk. And he goes, <laughs> man. I dig the Mr. Rogers look. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to properly do the Mr. Rogers look and routine every day, you would have to come in wearing your sports business coat, Mm -hmm. your business attire, your your dress shoes. You would have to take your dress shoes off, your coat off, put on a sweater, put on like – I guess it was – it was like Converse. He he wore sneakers and it was – Like sneakers, yeah. Another fun fact because um, they made less sound on set when he was walking around. Oh, I see. That's why he wore them. Okay. And and it also humanizes them a little bit It does, yeah. And I love how he would zip the sweater up all the way and then zip it down a little bit. Yeah. Like shows That was just a nice little touch there. Yeah. I wonder where he went. I mean not literally – but when Mister Rogers, when you're watching the TV show, well, where, in the where, movie it showed like so when he entered, so it was a set. Well, I, I mean not in the sense of the set, but in the fiction of the TV show. In that neighborhood. Oh, okay. In the where universe. in the universe of Mister Rogers' neighborhood, <laughs> where was Mister Rogers coming from and going to? That he was coming. And taking off his his dress shoes and his coat and then putting them back on when he left. Maybe a hit job. Maybe no. a hit job. <laughs> I mean, I, there is that theory about him being the sharpshooter. Maybe he's like Hitman. <laughs> and this is just like his hobby. No, wow. um, I like to imagine that, um, well, it's business kind of casual. It's not yeah. like a three-piece suit exactly. You, you could imagine it as... That's just hit the, what he wears when he goes out on the town. Yeah. But I, I like to imagine it as he's going off to work. Mm-hmm. And when he's doing the show, he's not working. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. doing this because he wants to. Mm-hmm. That's what I like to imagine. Yeah. Um, but anyways. here's uh, I got a couple more fun facts. Um, at one point, uh, he appeared on a Soviet children's show. And it was the first time ever a foreigner had ever done that. Insert the USSR anthem. Yes, right there. Yeah. <laughs> Good. We, well, I hope you enjoyed just that imagine anthem. It. <laughs> <laughs> imagine that anthem. Um, uh, he didn't smoke. He didn't drink. And he was a vegetarian. I remember him being a vegetarian. Yeah. And in the movie, I thought it was really nice. Um, they he took the reporter out to eat. You know, just. Casual time. I mean, it was kind of an interview, but to Mr. Rogers, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, it was just and, having a good conversation. Yeah. Over dinner. And, and the reporter was like, you've always been vegetarian or something like that. He was like, how long have you been vegetarian? Mr. Rogers was like, well, I can never eat anything with a mother. Oh, so that's such a, I'm not vegetarian. I love meat. Um, I love I, meat too. But hell, I, I had a burger today. Um, <laughs> At my work, when it was, and when it's someone's birthday, uh, work buys lunch. 
Nice. So we had tea. We had tea smokehouse, and I had a burger. Nice. But um, when you put it that way, anything with a mother. That makes you think about uh, that. That kind of hits hits a little um, hard. I've been vegetarian before, and I could definitely do it again. Um, and it's it's feasible. It's reasonable. It doesn't have to be expensive or anything. But no, not at all. Not at all. But. When I moved in with you guys, it was virtually impossible <laughs> to keep being a vegetarian because you guys would be grilling steaks all the time. And I, yeah. I just couldn't take it. We're, but then now that I think about that, about like it. Mr. Rogers, that I want to eat anything from other, that kind of makes me yeah, you, be you more again. You more often hear like <laughs> uh, you know anything with feelings or any you know or stuff like that. It's, but no, saying anything with a mother. anything with a mother. Yeah. That's a more powerful statement, I feel. Uh-huh. Because yeah, everyone um, can relate to that. Speaking of animals and meat and mothers. What, and... A, what a good what a good transition right there. <laughs> I try to sneak you know, them in. Let's 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 take a moment here to clap for that transition. Let's talk a little bit a little bit at least about Steve Irwin. Steve Irwin. We did far less research on Steve. <laughs> As in, well, as in, in my notes, because we're doing the wholesome trio. In, your notes, in my notes, I have Mr. Rogers and a bunch of stuff, Bob Ross and a bunch of stuff, and then I have, quote, Steve Irwin addition to wholesome trio. <laughs> that is that is my notes on him. Um, but I'm ready to talk about him nonetheless because I love – I watched The Crocodile Hunter when I was a kid. Oh, me too. All Pro- the time. Probably more than Mr. Rogers. I, that was my – I loved the animal planet. Well, it went on when a little a kid. bit longer. Well, when we were kids, we were a little older, mm-hmm. a little bit older enough, you know. To we're understand. just about that uh, ge- that generation era so, of somewhere in between, mo- like the late end of millennials or the very founders of Gen Z, somewhere yeah. in that range where people argue whether. Yeah, we're, we're not millennials actually. We're Gen Z. Yeah, no. we're but we're, we're we're that age of like. Gen Z, but we re- we relate a little bit more to millennials. Yeah, but we're technically Gen Z. But if, you can also lump by, us in with millennials. Yeah, if exactly because the the way we act and how what we relate to is we relate more to millennials. We grew up not with we grew up with digital technology, but we remember analog. Yeah, I remember VHS days when I was growing up. Well. Don't call me a hipster or anything, or any of us. We yeah. play vinyls all the time. Oh, so. <laughs> that was about you know twenty and years. And not just before. because it's cool; <laughs> it sounds better. I, I, there, it, <laughs> it, and it's not that vinyls have a more pure sound; it's that they have a unique sound to them. They have that tube that sound. sounds better. It does not sound live. That's that's that. No, but it has that. Warmth. A lot of people misunderstand that when people say vinyl sound better, they go like, "Well, no, digital sounds better because you get a more accurate sound of what the band actually sounds like." That's not what we're talking about. Yeah, we're talking about there is a charm. Yeah. To vinyl recordings, to that tube sound, that old recording. That warmth. There's a ch- there's a warmth. There's a charm that you don't get from live. Yeah. That um yeah, um but we're we're sort of that <laughs> age range. And so, you know, where we remember watching Mr. Rogers as kids, but oh, yeah. Mr. Rogers was the, we were, you know, right before he stopped, but Crocodile Hunter was prime, you know, kindergarten Colton. So, um, 
you know. Yeah, the Crocodile Hunter went on from 1996 to 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, and he died in 2006. He was only 44. I remember... When he died, I remember finding out about it. I remember finding about out about it yeah. too. I was old enough to know what death means, and yeah. um, I was nine or ten years old. I was old, really upset, years. and I remember my dad talking about it, and he uh, got stung by a stingray. Yeah, in the heart. In the heart, right in the heart. In the heart, yeah. And I'd like to think that he wasn't mad at the stingray. Yeah, when that stingray died later on and went to animal heaven. You know, Steve Irwin was probably like, oh, I'm sorry, I scared you, mate. You know, <laughs> excuse my really bad accent. But he was probably like, he was probably like, you know, I'm sorry, I scared you. You know. Yeah. You know, I don't blame you. Yeah. That's just your, that's just your reaction. It's your instincts. Well, the Stingray's behavior, it says, was a defensive response to being yeah. boxed in. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's, and he I, didn't, I, I know. They could have – I thought they could have removed the stinger or something. And he didn't want to do that because he didn't want to harm the animal. Interesting. I didn't know that. That – I don't know. I've heard something about that. But um, he – we'll stop talking about his death pretty soon. But um, according to the only witness, all of a sudden, the stingray propped an- – on its front and started stabbing wildly with its tail. Hundreds of strikes in a few seconds. That is Ooh. crazy. Wow. But he knew the risk. He did. He I dealt mean, with all kinds of dangers. There, there were, I mean, he was there, called the crocodile hunter. There, there were many times where I remember watching his TV show and he would get bitten by like a snake. Mm-hmm. I remember like an episode where he was holding a snake and the snake latched onto his arm. Yeah, and would not let go, and he was still like and talking. He was so casual. He was about still it. talking to the camera like it would bite him, and he'd be like, "Oh, look at that! <laughs> <laughs> it's bitten me." <laughs> and he'd be like, "He'd be like, let's just you know try to calm it down, yeah. so it'll let go of my arm." <laughs> and you know, he was just—he's just another genuine guy, um, and. I think he taught us all a good lesson to just respect our environment and nature and animals and taught us about conservation. And um, and I, I just love this show. Uh, it was a great show. Well, it was – his show was really great and he was – but one of the things that made him so good is like he really cared but he was being so genuine because so I read something a while back, uh, his, his uh, wife talking about him. Um, the first episode of the Crocodile Hunter was the you know the pilot was they filmed on their honeymoon mm-hmm. and they because this is something that um, he just did like this was his job anyway before they filmed it and uh, they were on their honeymoon and they got a call about like to go uh, catch some crocodiles I don't remember why. Um, so they went and so, but the way he's acting is similar to Mr. Rogers in the sense of the way he's acting on screen. He's not playing a character, you know, mm-hmm. he's very genuine. And with all three of these guys are really genuine and just true. Um, so I got some Steve Irwin quotes pulled up here. Oh, nice. 
and one that I thought, since we were just talking about his death, so he said, and I'm not going to do an accent, but he said, <laughs> I have no fear of losing my life. If I have to save a koala or a crocodile or a kangaroo or a snake, mate, I will save it. Wow. He cared more about the animals' lives than his own. Um, here's kind of a here's a here's a good one. Um, I believe that education is all about being excited about something. Seeing passion and enthusiasm helps push an educational message. Yeah, here is uh, something that's gonna bum you out. Oh no. Also a quote. Okay. From him. This is talking about his death. This is uh, talking to the, the, the guy that was with him. Um, so when he was, you know, had been a punk, uh, stabbed by the stingray, um, the guy who was with him, there's an interview here where he says, the guy said he obviously didn't know he had punctured his heart, but knew it had punctured his lungs. Mm. He was having trouble breathing, even if we'd been able to get him to emergency ward at that moment, we probably wouldn't have been able to save him because the damage to his heart was massive. We're monitoring where we, as we're monitoring his, uh, monitor, uh, motoring back. I scream at the, one of the other crew on in the boat to put their hand over the wound. And we're saying things like thinking your kids, Steve, hang on, hang on, hang on. And he just sort of calmly looked at me and said, I'm dying. And that was the last thing he said. His last words wow. were, I'm dying. Wow. He wasn't afraid to admit. He, he knew. He knew what was going on. He knew what was going on, and um, he didn't try to sugarcoat anything. Yeah. Um, but, you know, going going back to the he, – he would not have blamed the Stingray. Well, yeah. I he, mean, obviously – He knew the risks and – He put himself in that situation. He was doing things he loved. He and loved he, it. Though. He knew the risk. He knew that going into uh, – I mean – you know, into the territory of a deadly animal could kill him. At any know? given point, he could have got a leg or arm bitten off by a crocodile. Yeah. Um, he knew what he was getting into, but he did it for educational purposes, and he loved animals. Yeah. He loved working there with There is animals. a, um, there's an episode, I pulled it up just to make sure, because I remember this from my kid, when I was a kid, and I pulled it up to make sure I was remembering the right thing. Um, but there is an episode of the crocodile hunter where he deals with a black mamba. Mm. Um, terrifying by the way. Yeah. And if he had been bitten, Oh, he would have died. He probably would have died. Yeah. Black mambas are that deadly, but he knew. Yeah. And it wasn't about whether he would have died or not. It was about, you know, teaching about nature and animals. Yeah. Um, yeah, we might have to do a follow-up episode on Steve Irwin. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen the Crocodile Hunter movie? I believe I've seen it a long time ago. Um, but I've watched the show. We had, a, we had a, when I was growing up, we had this on DVD. It's Crocodile Hunter Collision Course. <laughs> it is a great movie. It has a total, uh, let's see what the Rotten Tomatoes score is. Um... No, don't worry about that. <laughs> no, no, we want to know. We want. I don't want to hear Rotten Tomatoes ripping apart. Oh, fifty-three percent. 
53%? Actually not as bad as I thought it was. That's very be. reasonable. That's um, like average. Um, By the way, remember Hellboy? Flashback. That yeah. is 17%. Yeah. Or maybe less now. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, By the way, I just want to say how much I hated recording that episode. Uh, I get back on a rant on Hellboy, but oh my <laughs> god, that sucked. <laughs> I hope it was funny. Okay, anyways. The- <laughs> hmm. That's a seventeen percent right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That... A movie I was watching. Uh... Don't bother. Don't bother listening to that episode even. <laughs> yeah, it's just a bad. It's a bad episode. <laughs> it's actually a pretty good episode. It's actually yeah. It Go actually listen is. to it. It's um, just about a bad movie. Another movie just on that topic real quick that uh, is really bad that I, although I love, is Van Helsing, and that has a twenty four percent. Rotten Tomatoes. Better. <laughs> Slightly better. Um, anyway, the Crocodile Hunter movie. The Crocodile Hunter Collision Course. I never knew it was called that until recently. I just always Collision knew it. Course. I knew it as the Crocodile Hunter movie. Can I guess what it's kind of about? I see guess. Bigfoot in it, kind of. Is that Bigfoot? Bigfoot's not in it. Oh, he's doing the Bigfoot pose, though. No. It's about crocodiles. The silhouette. Um, yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, he's definitely doing the pose. Collision course. Does that have something to do with an asteroid? Yes, it does. <laughs> well, sort of. Okay. It's like, so, you know, a U.S. satellite blows up. And, like, a really important piece of it plummets down to Earth into Australia. And a, guess what? A crocodile eats it. so get so so naturally because they have to go find a crocodile that ain't this really important part that has a tracking device in it they hire the crocodile hunter (laughs) so steve Irwin and his wife go to find this crocodile um and there's a, a whole subplot of like cia agents getting involved and stuff like that but it but it's generally like Imagine an episode of The Crocodile Hunter where he's going to capture a crocodile, but spy movie. What? Yeah. We have to watch this. It's a great movie. I I loved it when I was a kid, (laughs) Um, although I've not seen it in probably a decade. Oh, wow. (laughs) I I don't think I've ever seen that, actually. I've watched it several times when I was a kid. We have it on DVD. It It was... was when in long car trips we had a little DVD player and I would I would watch the Crocodile Hunter movie. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You know, it was that or Ice Age. Well, um, yeah, <laughs> we need to do a follow up episode on Steve Irwin. Yeah, we could do a whole episode on Steve Irwin. Oh yeah, easily. Steve Irwin, and and while we're at it, we could you know uh, talk about um, other you know uh, characters in the similar vein, you know. Uh, uh, like Jeff, Na- Jeff Corwin. Yeah. Or uh, um, what's the survival guy? He <laughs> drinks his pee. Ne- uh, oh. oh, Bear Grylls. No, Bear Grylls. And then also I would like to talk about Bill Nye at some point. Bill Nye would be fun to talk about too. I think we kind of meant to talk Stuff. about him, but we didn't want to watch any of the sh- episodes. Yeah, Bill like- Nye is – see, I really, really like Bill Nye, but at the same time – he doesn't always have a filter. Yeah. And not in the sense of, you know, filter like what he says specifically. 
he thinks very carefully about what he says, but I mean, what he talks about. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he goes. He's not afraid to go out there on TV and say what's on his mind. Yeah, and I I respect it. I appreciate that. Though. And I generally agree with the things he's saying, but sometimes it feels very political. Oh yeah, and it's less genuine. And Everything's less. And genuine. the whole point of this well, episode was to talk thing. about genuine people. Anything's less genuine if you involve politics. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, politicians, um, politicians. If you're listening, keep it PG. Keep it PG. Watch Wait, <laughs> <laughs> I was telling you to keep it PG. <laughs> I thought you were about to like. I was gonna keep it PG. Okay. I was gonna say politicians, in general, politicians. If you consider yourself a politician. If you're watching, go ro- go watch some Mr. Rogers. You can learn a thing or two. Yep. Yeah. And while you're at it, watch some Bob Ross and Crocodile Hunter because it's good TV. Yeah, it is good TV. You know, I, I, I even though even though I don't approve of you politicians, I still want you to have a good time watching TV. But anyways, I think we've exhausted <laughs> everything we can talk about right now. Yeah. Um. I don't have much else to say about. Yeah, others. I mean, um. All great guys, the wholesome, guys. the wholesome trinity, the wholesome like trinity. we would like to call them. Yeah. Um, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. <laughs> who's the, who's yeah. who? You you, you guess. You, you guys guess. We'll <laughs> just say it's the 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 Mister Rogers, the the Bob Ross, and the Steve Irwin. <laughs> and then next time I'm at church, I'm gonna, you know, not but, that not that I go to church, but next time I am at a church. Yep. <laughs> um, I mean, are you sure you won't burn? No, 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 I'll be fine. I'll I'll just pray to uh, those three instead of as the Trinity. (laughs) All right. They're actual good role models. Yeah, real live human ones. Anyways, we'll see you on the next episode. Who knows what it's going to be about? Yeah, who knows? We don't even know. Uh, (laughs) All right, kid music. It's the Odd Drunk Podcast with Jackson and Bolton. Sometimes Chris and Bolton.